Read with me in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat Passover? And he said, go into a city. Now, let, let, let me, I know everybody knows this, but just in case there's somebody here that's new to Christianity or new to the Jewish roots of Christianity, the night that Jesus sat with his disciples and told them that he was going to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world, that night was Passover, as we just read. And the reason I bring that up is for years and years, nobody ever told me that was Passover. Nobody ever told me what Passover means. I always thought that Jesus just got together, ordered some pizza and some wings, had, got together and all sat on one side of the table. Leonardo da Vinci painted their picture and that was it. I didn't realize the symbolic meaning to all that was happening. But I want to show you something else that deals with the resurrection, the blood of Jesus, and the first fruit. And I want you to think tonight as we're reading this that Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was celebrating Passover. And I want you to think about the number three. And I'll explain to you in a minute. Let's read again. Now, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and remember, there, were three, there are three slices of unleavened bread. Think of the number three. And the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city and a certain man and say to him, The rabbi says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. It's amazing how many times the word Passover is in there, and yet it's very seldom taught. They prepared the Passover. Verse 20. Now when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Surely I say unto you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And then he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And we would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. Now, I'm not going to get into the teaching on that right now, but that's a very powerful revelation. And what I'm about to show you is many times people will never admit it's them. And if we don't admit it's us, then the deliverance that was paid for by the blood of the lamb can never be fulfilled. So we need to look at ourselves. This is the night that we look at ourselves because in about three days, the power of his resurrection will come. And if we check ourselves and understand what's going on here, you and I will never go back to Egypt. And we will simply grow and grow in the blessing of God. This is what the rabbis teach. The Gentiles who understand this will never go back. What the rabbis are saying is these certain Gentiles whose eyes will be open and begin to understand the Jewishness of this. I was reading today, and 
I don't, I don't advise you to read it until I'm finished, but there's a brand new book out called The Kosher Jesus, written by one of the leading rabbis of Israel. And he's saying, we need to go and relook at this Jesus because Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept Passover. Jesus, Jesus um, uh, ate kosher. Jesus celebrated Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. All of a sudden, we're realizing that Jesus is a Jew. And the prophecy is that it will be Gentiles whose eyes will be open and they will see such blessing that it will draw Jew and Gentile back to God so the Messiah can come and rule and reign on earth. Can I have an amen? amen. You are sitting here tonight a fulfillment of prophecy and I'm going to show you something tonight that I've never heard taught before Tonight is your night to be set free, and I declare the power of his resurrection comes on us now, and we're never going back to Egypt again. Somebody say amen. amen. Think the number three. Look at verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, three, three pieces, and took one and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. I'm going to show you that tonight. We're going to do that together. And Jesus said, take and eat, this is my body. Other scriptures say, this is my body which was broken for you. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my, bl- the blood, of my, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now, I'm not going to get into that very much, but the remission of sin means to cancel the curse that comes with sin. Not just to forgive us of our sin. Not just forgive us of our sin. But to cancel every curse so that we can be redeemed, reconnected to the promises of Abraham through the blood of Jesus Christ. God does not want you just going to heaven. He's come to give you life and that life more abundant. If you're ready to receive that, say amen. Amen. Now, I saw the look on a couple of people's faces because I know we get real religious on Good Friday and we get real religious on Easter and we get real religious on Christmas. But listen to me. You know, we listened to two preachers on the way in. And both of them talked about dying and death. It was their Easter sermons from last year. And about sin and dying and death. And the one preacher entered and he said, and you're all going to die. Let's pray. (laughs) Didn't he? On the radio. And I'm thinking, why? I'm not here to talk about death. I'm here to talk about life and that life more abundant. We're not here to celebrate the death of Jesus, but to tell you that he has risen again and the power of his resurrection is to be on us. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, I got to get through this. I get so excited. (laughs) Verse 29, but I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine. From now on, the, 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 the better translation is I will not drink of this cup, this cup, until the day when I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. There's a certain song that everybody sings at a Seder dinner, at a Passover dinner. And it's a song basically saying to Pharaoh in the world, 
You don't have us anymore. We are now free. We're not slaves anymore. We're not slaves to the government. We're not slaves to the economic system. We're not slaves to tornadoes. We're not slaves. We may be in this world, but we are not of this world. Now, the reason why that's important, and I I don't want to get into too much of teaching, they sang this while they were still physically in Egypt. They were still physically in Egypt. They may have been physically in Egypt, but spiritually, they were already set free. Do you understand? And that's what we're to do. You may still be facing things with the bank. You may, still be, you may have still gotten an evil report from the doctor. You may have still be facing this. But you need to shout tonight that we may, I may physically be in this case, but tonight God is setting me free. And before I ever see the miracle, I know it's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? Already done. It's already done. I don't, I'm trying not to preach, but I can't help it. That's why we don't say, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, bless me. Because, because on this night, when they hung Jesus on that cross, he said, it's finished. And on that night, the curtain between us and the Father, the curtain between us and the blessing, the curtain between us and the miracles is rent from top to bottom, so we don't have to say, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, bless me. We say, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of God, the healing of God, the deliverance of God, and we enter into what he's already done with praise and thanksgiving. Are you all okay? But I thought I have to pray to Jesus. Jesus said, don't pray to me. No man goes to the But by me, Jesus is the door. On this night, he paid the price that through him, you can come boldly. That word boldly means with confidence. You can come boldly before the throne of God. Now, Jesus is sitting on the right hand making intercession. The devil's over there saying, they don't understand the blood. They don't understand what's happened. They don't understand this. But Jesus is saying, oh, no. No, they've come down the new beginnings, and they don't just say, I plead the blood. They know the seven places that I shed my blood, and the Father says, bring them the blessing. We enter into that with praise and thanksgiving. Are y'all okay? See, we got too many Christians that moan and groan. Oh, Lord, help me. It's finished. On this night in Egypt and on this night in Jerusalem, by this time at night, it's already been finished. Are y'all with me? All right, let's, 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 let's keep reading. Verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They're singing a song of praise, of freedom, that we've got the victory. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised... I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, 
I will never be made to stumble. I love Peter. <laughs> Peter's like us. Amen. That, that, that's what I love about the grace of God. Jesus doesn't want you dying for him. He wants you living for him. Dying for him. You know, that's, when I first got saved, that's all we ever heard of. You got to die for Jesus. Well, if you die for Jesus, that's a gift that only works once. But if you live for him every day and let the blessing of the resurrection come on you, that's a sermon that's being spoke unstopped. Unstopped. Amen. But I love Peter because Peter's just like us. I'll never betray you. <laughs> Though all forsake you. That was like Israel coming. It's, it's a repeated story, and we're going to share the Passover. I mean, Israel comes out of Egypt. Oh, thank you, Jesus. A couple days in the wilderness. Build me a calf. Right? But here's, here's, here's the prophecy, and I'm going to get to the message here. Here's the prophecy. In the very end of the end times, there will be Gentiles, Christians, whose eyes will be open, and they'll begin to understand not only what Jesus did, but the revelation of the Lamb and the Passover. Amen. And these people will be so... I know I say it all the time, but you need to understand, this, the rabbis are waiting, the world is waiting for you to be so blessed and to present the world a Jewish Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you something tonight I, I, I'm just thrilled about but what we're presenting by you and I doing Seder, by you and I coming together on Passover, by you and I doing these things, by you and I having four cups for communion, communion, Passover, by us having four cups. All the rest of the church world does one cup. They drink the cup that Jesus said, I won't drink of. My people destroy for what reason? All these years you've been drinking one cup, you've got one quarter of the blessing. How many like the full meal deal? Supersized. Let's, go, let's finish this up. Uh, where did I stop? Thir- verse 33. But Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Larry, I mean, uh, Peter, uh, surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me how many times? Three. Now, uh, uh, there, there's no way I can say it. In, in rabbinical study, numbers are very important. Amen. The study of numbers, the number three, the number 12, the number six, the number seven, the number eight, a new beginning. Uh, so tonight be thinking about the number three. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And then, <laughs> Lord, we're going to start tithing this year. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, I, not as I will but as you will. And then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, 
What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed how many times? The third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, he who betrays me is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Then immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew a sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword away, it, uh, in, uh, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I can now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen this way? And in that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? And I sat daily with you, teaching you in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Now, as you read the different gospels, you read it spoken in different ways. But we all know that it was Peter who took the sword and cut off the priest's servant, cut off his ear. Now, we think, well, Peter was going for his head and just got his ear. But the reality of it's a very spiritual thing, and I won't get into it tonight, but if someone's ear has been severed, then they're not able to serve in the temple any longer. And it's symbolic that if someone's physical ear has been severed, that's a sign spiritually that they can't hear from God anymore. So this is what was going on here. But I want to show you something when it comes to the number three. When we do communion, we'll show you that on this night, there, were three, there are three matzahs. If you go and study rabbinical teaching, they will tell you nobody knows why God said on this night that we celebrate the Passover, we celebrate the night that Jesus had Passover with the disciples, and surrendered to the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nobody knows why there are three matzahs. Some say it's because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some say it's because of the priesthood, the three levels of priesthood. Some say it's because of the three cakes that Sarah made with Abraham when the visitors came and God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But the reality of it is, is nobody knows And so today I was praying, and I said, Lord, there's got to be an answer about three. And I went to the Scripture, and I I started realizing as I read how many times God says three. Three times I prayed. 
three times this, three times that. And so I, I said, Lord, what is it? And God spoke to me, and he said, look at the night of Passover in Egypt. Now, I'd never seen this before. And so I begin to study, and I realize what Jesus is betraying is the number three that we see when Israel was being delivered from Egypt on the night of Passover. If you remember on the night of Passover, God told Israel, take for yourself a lamb. Very quickly, the lamb signifies that we're sacrificing the gods of Egypt. And we're saying by taking the lamb of God, the gods of this world don't control us anymore. Money doesn't control us anymore. Wall Street doesn't control us anymore. Who's in the White House doesn't control us anymore. Not that we're not for America, but America is not our provider. The lamb is not, the lamb of the world is not our provider. The lamb of God is our provider, and his name is Jehovah Jireh. Can I have an amen? So if you haven't got that teaching, I think I taught it last week. It's a very powerful symbol of the lamb. And it says, I want you to take the blood of the lamb, and we read it, or we say it, that we're to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of the house. But God spoke to me today, and he said, study the meaning of hyssop. Because it doesn't just say, take the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. The lamb is symbolic of the sacrifice, our first fruit offering. The blood is symbolic of God releasing his blessing on your whole household. But God specifically says, take the blood, dip hyssop in it, and put it on the doorpost of the house. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me today and said, go study hyssop. So I went to the Hebrew and began to study, why did God say hyssop? What's the meaning of hyssop? Now, I want you to understand, for you and I to pass through the blood, God says, now remember, God says, when I see the blood, I will stand in front of your household, and I will not allow the destroyer to come in. Now, let me show you something real quick. We've been taught time and time again that God killed the firstborn in Egypt. Read it. God said the firstborn in Egypt will die, but God says when I see the blood, he didn't say I won't allow me to come in. He said I won't allow the destroyer to come in. The destroyer is divorce. The destroyer is cancer. The destroyer is diabetes. The destroyer is alcoholism. The destroyer is drug addiction. The destroyer is gangbanging. The destroyer is adultery. The destroyer is fornication. The destroyer is sickness. The destroyer is poverty. The destroyer is anger. The destroyer is violence. God says, when I see the blood on your door, I will stand in front of your door, and I will not allow the destroyer to come in and touch anyone in your household. Now, you need to understand this. When you understand this, he said, I will, there were kids, there were Hebrew kids 
that wanted to act like the Egyptians. There are children who want to act like what they see in Hollywood or what they hear on the records they want to hear. And God says, I don't care. When you put the blood on your door, I will forbid the destroyer to come into any of your household. Right? This is divine protection. This is the blood of Jesus. So the first part is we have the lamb. That's our sacrifice. Jesus. The second part is, or the third part, we have the blood, but God says hyssop. He specifically says, take the hyssop and use that to put on your door. As I begin to study the Hebrew of hyssop, hyssop produced an oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. This oil would sanctify. This oil would heal. This oil would deliver. This oil would would consecrate. There was tremendous natural and spiritual power in the oil of the hyssop. But the main reason God said, take it and put it on the doorpost of your house, had a different meaning. I won't get into all the Hebrew. I think maybe during the county of the Omar, I'll teach the meaning of this. But God said, this hyssop will break the curse that is on your house and your family. The curse that comes from words that have been spoken in your house. It goes, and I won't get into all this, but it goes and it talks about the disease of leprosy. And I won't get into all the Hebrew names of it. I'll teach this in a later time. But it gets into the disease of leprosy. And the disease of leprosy comes from people who speak slanderous words to destroy someone else's name. The teaching, in a nutshell, says, and we know about Miriam being thrown out of the camp. We know about the leper. And so the whole thing of it is, is that, in a nutshell, is that if we have slandered someone's name, that, that slandering of someone's name might be something you said about your husband. It might be something you said about your wife. It might be something you said about your mother or father. It might be something you said about your neighbor. God says when we slander someone, this brings the curse of leprosy or separation, and it separates, I may do it, but it separates my whole household from the blessing of God my whole household. And so the teaching was that when someone has the curse of leprosy, slander, spiritual leprosy, physical, but spiritual leprosy, that they are to take a red heifer and sacrifice the red heifer. Now, I won't get into all of it, but the, 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 the reason the red heifer is red is symbolic of the devil. Anybody who slanders someone that tries to destroy someone through words is like the devil. Got real quiet on this side here. I'm going, over. I'm going over to this section here. If we slander someone, if we speak evil about someone, and it goes all the way back to the Lord said, you can't have sweet water and bitter water come out. 
of your mouth. So if there's been slander, this brings a leprosy. Literally, it says sometimes you would see it in your house and it would come like red mold. But they would take a red heifer because red is symbolic of we know the devil, we, the re- devil in the red suit and all this other stuff. But it's a sim- symbol of there's nothing more evil than us trying to hurt someone with our words. Then they would take cedar and throw it in the fire. Cedar is a very stiff, and cedar is the symbol of pride. Because when we try to destroy someone with our words, God is a creator with words. When we try to destroy someone with words, it's saying that we are like God, and our words can create or our words can destroy. Now be happy because we're going to break this curse tonight. Say amen. And then they would take hyssop, which would bend, and it's a sign of humility, of saying, God, forgive me, and they would throw it. So we're taking the pride, we're taking the devil, and we're taking the hyssop, the sign of humility, and through the hyssop, the anointing oil, God brings us deliverance. So here's here's the three parts. God says, bring me a lamb. The lamb is Jesus Christ. Take the blood. Jesus shed his blood how many places? Seven places. And we're to take our bowing before God and saying, God, forgive me. And we're breaking the curse off of our house so the power of his resurrection can come into every member of our family. Somebody shout amen. Amen. My people destroyed for what reason? See, I've been a pastor for 35 years. I've heard about hyssop. I've, you know, heard little things about hyssop, but now I know how to apply this. So we're going to break this tonight. You don't have to wait. But on Sunday, we've got hyssop. We're going to take blood. We're going to put it on the doorposts of our house. And then when we bring our lamb, our first fruit offering, we'll bring it in. And then we'll come this way out. And then the last one out, we're going to shut the door and we're going to say to the devil, devil, we are never going back into that Egypt again. And who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. Can I have an amen? All right. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. Now, it, it could be said the cup of salvation, but it goes beyond that. The cup of sanctification means there is no condemnation. If you've received Jesus Christ... Understand this. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil will bring up your past. The devil will bring up your shortcomings. The devil will bring up everything that you've done wrong. But once you come to Jesus and you receive his blood, there is no condemnation. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? Because the Bible says that we're to come boldly before the throne of God. That a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and let not that man think when he prays he'll receive anything. Do you believe Jesus, do you believe God the Father can do anything? Do you believe you deserve it? Do you believe you deserve it? You do. I deserve it. Not because of my own righteousness, because of the blood of the Lamb. Well, I only want God to give me what I deserve. Well, don't pray that here. 
because we want to clean up your greasy spot when the lightning hits. Everything Jesus paid for makes us worthy of the blessing. It'd be like, it'd be like, it'd be like, this would never happen, but it'd be like me buying my kids a new car and they go, oh no, dad. Oh no, we don't spend your money on us. Now, let me remind you, that would never happen. But that's when we say we're not worthy. That's an insult to God. What do you mean you're not worthy? My son shed his blood. So we need to understand that through the blood of Jesus, we are totally sanctified where we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And when we pray, we're not double-minded. We know that because of the blood of Jesus, our Father will give us what we ask. Can I have an amen? Can I share something with you before we drink? You ask too small. You ask too little. You need to ask big. So, well, I know I can jump two feet. I don't want to go for 10. Go for 10. You have not. Because you ask not. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you You know, I know I say this all the time, and sometimes we get deaf from the hearing. But just think, this next year, somebody's whole family's getting saved. This next year, somebody in somebody in Dallas or somebody watching by somebody wherever you're watching by stream, somebody's moving into a new house. Somebody's driving a new car. Somebody's starting a new business. Might as well be who? Might as well be you. So we can come boldly. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I did when I was 20. No, I know what Jesus did on this night. And when he did it on this night, and it's already been done by now, he said, it's finished. Do you believe it's finished? Let's say the blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Elohenu Melech Aholam Barei Pri Hagafen. Father, we thank you for the joy of the Lord that comes through our salvation and our sanctification. We thank you that we can see ourselves the way you see us, as children of the Most High God, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Father, I break every curse that brings condemnation on your people, and I receive and I release the blessing of God on our lives, on our families, and on our church, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Lachaim. Grape juice. Then he took a second cup. And this is the cup of deliverance. Jesus did not just die for your sins. He died on the cross. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Last night when we did Seder, and I, and I asked him to, to save me a, a, a lamb bone, a lamb shank, but I found out somebody ate him. <laughs> I said, save me that lamb bone. They go, we ate it. <laughs> On a Seder plate, you have a bone, a lamb shank bone, and that bone cannot be broken. When Jesus died on the cross, if you remember the story, he died... He was, he was crucified and died within about a three-hour period. 
The moment he said it's finished was when on the Temple Mount they slit the throat of that lamb. If you remember the teaching, they said there was a lamb, there was the lamb, and then he became your lamb. If you've received Jesus Christ, he's not just a lamb. He's not just the lamb. He's my lamb. And he didn't just, my lamb, your lamb, didn't just die for your sin. But he died to break every curse. When Jesus hung on that, on that tree, the scripture would be, no bone in his body would be broken. When Jesus was on that cross, it takes days to die on the cross. You don't die from, from just the nails in his hands. You die from eventually your legs can't support you and the weight of your own body suffocates you. It's a horrible, long, agonizing death. But the rabbinical teaching is, is if someone is nailed to a tree and the sun sets on the Sabbath, when the sun sets, if he's still on the tree, the curses that are on him go back onto the people. So the rabbis went to, and we know the story, they went to the Roman soldiers, and they said, break their legs. So they went to the two thieves, broke their legs, so that they would suffocate in the next hour, couldn't hold themselves up, because these guys had a curse on them. But when they got to Jesus, they looked, and it looked like he was already dead. That's why they took a spear and shoved it into his side. And out of that wound came blood and water. Because the devil forgot that Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted. Even on his death, he came through the blood to heal the broken heart. Around every heart is a sack of water. And so when they pierced his side, out of that wound came blood and water because Jesus didn't die from the crucifixion. He died from the broken heart of the weight of our sin. And so when they pierced his side, they realized he was already dead so they didn't have to break his legs. And so when Jesus was on that cross, he not only took my sin, you know, What kind of family curses are in your life? Is there a curse of addiction? Is there a curse of anger? Is there a curse of sickness? Is there a curse of poverty? Is there a curse of failure? Is there a curse of divorce? Is there a curse of, you know, when you go to the doctor, when I first came to Dallas, we got a new doctor. They had me fill out this form and they said, is there any cancer in your family? Is there any heart disease in your family? I remember talking to the doctor and she said, "Uh, uh, uh, your your, your father's had several heart attacks. Well, you need to understand you're a prime candidate to have a heart attack. I said, have you ever heard about breaking generational curses? She said, oh yeah, we're teaching that in our Bible study called Free at Last. I said, I personally know the author. (laughs) And on me, there is no curse of heart disease. A couple years ago, I went to a heart doctor just to have it all checked out. They do all this stuff. And he says, you have an absolutely perfect heart. Why? Because the blood of Jesus didn't just come to forgive me. The blood of Jesus came to break every curse and then release every blessing. You've got to claim the curse is broken. 
I, I, I heard a preacher say, you can't, you can't bind the devil. You can't rebuke the devil. Who do you think you are? Well, I want you to know something. When I saw that tornado heading for my family, I stood up there not as Larry Hunt, but as a born-again child of God. And I said, devil, I rebuke you. Thank God we know we can rebuke the devil through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? What curses in your life? What curses in your family? You need to get mad. You need to get mad at being broke. You need to get mad at illegitimacy. You need to get mad at being mad. Well, I just have an Irish temper. No, that's a demon. Well, I have just, I have Latino fire. No, that's a demon. Say amen. Amen. Well, at least we're making it. You're not supposed to be making it. You're supposed to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower. You're supposed to be above only, not beneath. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. That's why he shed his blood. So we claim every family curse in your life is broken. You know, in my, in my family, there has been divorce. In my family, there's been anger. In my family, there's been failure. In my family, there's been addiction. But in my family, there is pastors and ministers and children of God and good homes and good marriages. Listen, we can break the curse of your kids marrying the wrong person. Are you ready? Say out loud, through the blood of Jesus, every curse on my family stops tonight and is reversed in the blessing, in the blessing of the blood. Let's drink. Lachaim. Then Jesus would have taken the matzah. The matzah is always in a matzah sleeve that has three compartments. Like I told you, most don't know why. Why three? Well, it could be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, maybe. The three three cakes that Sarah made when the, the angels came to visit. Could be. The three levels of priesthood. Could be. Or maybe it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because of the three, of the three, you're to go into the middle one, the middle one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You're to go to the middle one and break it. Now, let me show you something. Every matzah, every matzah, every one, has stripes and pierces. Every matzah. They pierced the matzah to guarantee it wouldn't rise. Now let me share something with you. I know I'm going long, but I only get to teach this once a year. It was very unusual to nail somebody to a cross. Most people who were crucified weren't nailed. 
in all of the world, in all the world, there is one artifact that shows somebody was nailed to a cross. In all the world, it's in a museum. I think, I think it's in Israel. But there's only, in all the world, for 2,000 years, there's only one sign of somebody being nailed. The reason is, is there was no Home Depot. You couldn't just go get nails. Do you understand? It's not like we go get nails. This is 2,000 years ago. Nails were rare. And by the way, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous to think that Pilate was innocent and washed his hands. Pilate was a butcher. Pilate hated the Jews. Pilate murdered tens of thousands of Jews. And so the church comes up with, Pilate says, his blood not be on my hands. Pilate was so cruel and so vicious that two years, two to three years after Jesus, Rome brought him back because even in Roman standards, he was too violent. So this whole thing, the Jews killed Jesus, is made up by the church to make us anti-Semitic to our Jewish roots. Pilate was a 2,000 years ago Hitler. Can you imagine Hitler saying, oh, this man is it. And they, they, he, he murdered Jews without any trial, tens of thousands of them. So they took Jesus and they nailed him, pierced him, because they didn't want him to rise again. But he did. So Jesus took this out and he broke it. Why did he break it? And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Why did he break it? Because on Seder, they would take the middle piece out. They would put half of it. They would bury half of it. And then they would put it in the tomb. And then the children would all hide their eyes. And the father or the Saba would go and hide this. This represents the Messiah. That someday the Messiah will come. At the end of the meal, all the kids would run out and everybody would be cheering and singing and shouting. And then somebody would find the Messiah and he'd run up and there'd be great celebration. Then you'd break it off and you would, you would share it with everybody because whenever you find the Messiah, it's victory for everybody and it must be shared. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. I, I won't go over it, but you eat the matzah twice. The first time you eat it, we're not going to eat this one. The first time you eat it, it's the bread of affliction. It's the bread of poverty. That's at the beginning. But at the end of the meal, which is what we'll do, it's the bread of prosperity. It's the bread saying we are ready to go. But while we go, we're taking all the silver and we're taking all the gold with us. Somebody say amen. The first is the bread of poverty. When we start. But the end of the meal is the bread of prosperity and the bread of victory and the bread of freedom. We are free. You are free from any limitation through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Any limitation. Oh, I need a better amen than that. Oh, my. I got a better amen when I taught this in the synagogue. You are free 
of any limitation on your life whatsoever. Amen? So let's say the prayer. Baruch Adonai Elohenu Melech Aholam Hamotzi Lachemim Charetz. Father, we thank you that you are the God of freedom and you are the God of abundance and prosperity. And tonight, we receive that power of resurrection on our finances, on our lives, in every area, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Then the third cup, I'm almost finished. The third cup is the cup of redemption. If you remember, in the temple, they would sacrifice a lamb. They would take the blood of that lamb. They would go into the Holy of Holies where the power of God lies, and they would sprinkle that blood how many times? Seven times. Jesus, there is no power in saying, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Unless you know what that blood of Jesus accomplished. He shed his blood not once, but seven times in the garden, at the whipping post, crown of thorns to break the curse of poverty, in his hands, in his feet, in his side. Then he went to the gates of hell, stomped on the devil's forehead, took the keys of life and death, took the keys of prosperity and poverty, took the keys of health or sickness, took the keys of joy or sorrow, took the keys of victory or defeat, And he says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter, and you say, you are the Christ. You are the one who removes the burden and breaks the yoke. And Jesus said, I give you the keys. Now whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Why is that important? Because there's no power in saying I plead the blood. There's power in knowing what the blood has accomplished. Through the blood of Jesus, you are redeemed. When you know the blood of Jesus, God receives you now as a child of the covenant promises. Through the blood of Jesus, you have been reconnected to every promise of God through Abraham. We who are in Christ Jesus are, are, are heirs to the promises of Abraham, not someday, but today in Jesus' name. So take your cup. Father, we receive every blessing. Father, open the windows of heaven over us and pour us out such favor that all the world will call us blessed in every area in Jesus' name. Look, I'm. This is the cup that Jesus sat down. And he said, I won't drink this until I'm with you at another supper. And this won't be a Passover supper. This will be the wedding supper of the Lamb. Jesus said, as oft as you drink this, remember me. Now, what does that mean? And I, and I said this last night, but it's so important. When you go to Israel with us, or you go to Israel, and I love point, we, we, we usually land in, in, in the airport and go to Tiberias, or we go to Jerusalem. And I love to point out the houses on the hills. Could be Arab, could be Jewish. And you'll see a house, and it'll look 50 years old. And next to it, connected to it, will be a house that looks five or six years old. And then on the other side, there might be a house that's being built. This is what Jesus said when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to my father's house. In the times of Jesus, the custom was that a bridegroom 
would leave his village because so many people in the village were related. He would leave his village and he would go for a bride that has already been picked for him. This is why the Lord said, no man calls Jesus Lord, but the Spirit picks you. You can't just call on Jesus anytime you want. You have to be drawn by the messenger, the Holy Spirit. He would get engaged. See, we're not the bride of Christ yet. We're just engaged. When we make it to the wedding supper, then the wedding has taken place. So he goes away and he says, no matter how long it takes, know this, I'm coming for you. Know this, I'm coming for you. You may think, Lord, when are you coming? When my father, in, in, in Hebrew, the son goes away. Remember when they said, Lord, when are you coming? He said, I don't know that, only my father knows. In Hebrew, the son goes and the father sends a messenger. In Hebrew, it's Elijah. And Elijah comes and he's watching the bride. And he's sending news back to he's sending news back to the father. They're not ready. Remember when he said the foolish virgins let their oil run out? It goes out every couple hours. And so if the 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 messenger is watching, if the bride ever lets that oil go out. It's a sign she's not paying attention. She's not waiting for her bridegroom. So she constantly is filling that, is filling that, is filling that. In Hebrew, it says, when the certain Gentiles come back to the Jewish roots, the spy will go back to the father and say, we've got enough of the bride ready. Go ahead and get them. Jesus said, as oft you drink this, do this knowing I'm coming back. Guys, us sitting here tonight, taking four cups is end time prophecy and the prophets going back to the father saying look at him we've almost got the bride ready let me show you one more thing before we drink this this is called this fourth cup is called the cup of consummation or the cup that completes it that's why jesus said i won't drink this until it's finished until we're at the wedding supper of the lamb but being a jew and being a rabbi jesus is required to drink four cups He has to. He has to drink four cups. But he sits this down and says, I'm not going to drink it. We'll say, how did he fulfill the teachings of God? From the table they went where? Where'd they go to pray? In the garden. And what did Jesus pray? Father, if there be some other way, let this cup pass. Came back. How many times did he pray it? And finally he said... Not my will, but thy will be done. I'll drink this cup. And then they came and arrested him. This cup completes it. So Jesus said, I'll drink this cup. And let me end with this. They come and arrest Jesus. They take him to Pilate. They put him on the whipping post. They, they beat him as no man's been beaten. They bring him down. They put a crown of thorns on him to break the curse of poverty. They drag him to Calvary. And on Calvary, he says these words. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment... 
He took my sin and he took my curse. And for the first time in eternity, the father turned his face away from his son so he could find me bound by drugs. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he said, I thirst. And they took bitter wine, put it on a sponge, stuck it on a stick of hyssop. Hyssop. The curse of words spoken. And put it up to Jesus. And he turned his face. Because even though he took every curse on us, on himself from us, he never spoke one word against his accusers. His tongue was pure so that our tongue would be full of praise to the creator of the universe. Somebody say amen. So as we take this, we drink the final cup and we say, Father, we know you're coming back. We know you're going to send your son Jesus. And just think, we're going to meet here again Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. But you know, the end of this Passover dinner, we always say, next year in Jerusalem. We may be before Sunday having another cup in Jerusalem if Jesus comes tonight. If you look, there's one last cup. And as they were drinking it, he would say, open the door. And they had opened the door. And he'd say, is Elijah coming? Do you see Elijah? Because Elijah would come and blow the horn and say, get ready, bride. Your bridegroom is coming. If we were doing this at our house, we'd send Asher and Jude out. We'd have them open the door of our house and go outside and say, do you see the prophet? And they would say, Saba, we don't see him. But one of these times, we're going to open that door. And we'll say, Asher, Judah, do you see him? And they'll go, Saba, there he is. And we will hear the trump of the Lord and be with him in Jerusalem. Lakaim. Would you give our Lord and Savior on this night a great big hand clap of praise father we glorify your name father we glorify your name come on stand to your feet give him praise this night he came and set us free